Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. <laughs>Yeah, what's up, everybody? This is Big Pep, and welcome to Pep Talk. You got myself, Big Pep, and you got my co-host, Mr. Juan Ramirez. Hello, hello. Juan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Is it safe to say... Is it? That after this interview, we made it? You think so? I think it might be safe to say after this one, we made it. Why is that? So check this out, guys. I want to introduce our guest, and... I'm going to break it down from the beginning. He's the one who pretty much, you know, got to got Juan and me to the position we're at now. He goes by many names. Early in his career, he was known as Skittles. Then he was psychological. <laughs> then he turned into Bobby Tarantino. Then he started writing books. Then he went by his legal name, Sir Robert Bryson Hall the second. second. And he had a kid. So now he's a father of little Bobby. He's a husband of Miss Brittany. But he's known all around the world as Logic. What's up? Why is that cut off so quick? Can I hit, play, hit it again? It's because I don't bring it down like. No, let it rock. How long does it go? You can let it rock. That's what I'm the used shows. to. I need that. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. Pep talk. With, yeah. Uh, with Juan. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez again. Some shit. Yeah. How's everything? Big pep. Everything's great. It's my first interview. I was upstairs, like, kind of feeling weird. Mm-hmm. Just because I was like, oh, my God, I haven't done, it uh, like, a real interview in so long. Exactly. And we were talking about on the, on the ride here was that you're, you're blessing us with an exclusive. You know, we're, we're up-and-coming podcast, but, you know, and, and this is Rollout Week. Your album drops next week. Yeah. You know, you got, you got Big Boy. You got Zane Lowe. You got Heavy Hitters. But you're letting Big Pep and Juan handle this. Yeah, of course. You guys are the first uh, first interview, and I'm excited, and I love you guys. And I feel super comfortable, uh, besides this big-ass light in my face. <laughs> it's really cool to, like, I don't know, just kind of shoot this shit with my homie. Can I cuss? Please, bro. Pussy cunt fart. Yeah, all that good stuff, man. <laughs> okay, dope. To- turn up. And what I wanted to bring up was, this isn't like your ordinary, like, uh, employer, employee, you know, conversation like literally you know I, be, I was your best man at your wedding you spoke at my wedding we've done vacations with our wives Juan he can speak on his experience on how you know yeah I mean just starting out as a fan and then being your assistant getting to know you that much better yeah it's, it's been nuts crazy so let's get into it all right 2019 2021 right you had supermarket confessions of a dangerous mind no pressure Retired. Yeah. Why and what made you retire so abruptly? Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, it was my son and wanting to be there and spend that time. You know, a lot of artists, a lot of people, you know, in entertainment and my position keep going. They don't stop. They don't stop. And um, I was I was over it. And I think a part of me really believed like, yeah, this is it. Like I'm out of here. And then there was a part of me that like continued to still make hundreds of songs, write books, do that, like still work while I was retired. And then I think the biggest thing was just like the internet. I was just like sick of the internet and not like criticism, nothing like that, um, which is never fun, but just more so like 
feeling like a slave, always having to be on it and do things and just like in, entertainment is so different now. It feels like you have to let the whole world in to your life mm-hmm. um, for likes and views and clicks. And this, and I was just over the shit. No, I feel you on that. And what I was also going to bring up was the fact that even though you were retired, I was with you, you know, firsthand pretty much every single day. And, and to the world, you were retired. But I feel like during that time, you were making the most amount of music. Yeah. And you got into other endeavors. You got into buying a quarter of a million dollar Pokemon card, which is a long term investment. Which you, is now worth five hundred grand. Shit. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Sheesh. You also got into the crypto world. I did, yeah. And also, you decided to write a memoir. I did. Yeah, that's a um, that's a lot of stuff, man. And uh, it was fun. I think it, for me, it was very cathartic. It was very. It was a really incredible experience to to be able to write a book and relive these details and memories that weren't easy to um, go through, but I learned a lot about myself. It was extremely therapeutic, and I think it was an opportunity for me to essentially address situations just like this with people who will ask me real questions and will be honest and will say how they feel, but they do it from a loving place you know and i think entertainment a lot of it is like stab them and run like get what you can of course and um in this book there was no there was none of that there was no youtube comment section on page you know 89 so i got to just unequivocally be myself and tell my story which is the truth because a lot of people like to deny my story you know whether it's uh just like my upbringing or where i came from or whatever they'll literally be like that's not true and they, they they just act like it's like I'm lying or something. Well, why do you think people do that? Um, I don't know. Probably because I look white. If I'm being honest, it's like I don't I don't fit in a box. I I don't look. I think you know the world. It's all image. Yeah. And I just think that's the biggest thing. It's just like I was a scrawny looking white boy who liked anime. Like he can't be rapping. You know he can't be doing this. He he ain't from this. He ain't from that. Yeah. Just because of how I I. Uh, you don't you don't know what the hood really is stuff like that yeah but i'm like okay (laughs) whatever i used to care i used to be like oh i've cooked crack because i have but it's like so what i've cooked crack what the fuck who gives a shit it's like like i've said that in a rhyme here or there because it's an experience that i went through personally and i felt the need in that moment to express it on that particular song and in that instance regarding you know um the message i was trying to essentially get across Cool. You know what I mean? I'm not here to perpetuate a uh, negative aspect of my culture and the culture that I grew up in. Uh, I'm here to shed light on why people may do those things, why people may sell drugs or this or this or that as a means of escape. Um, And I think the ones who are blessed enough to escape it, but still try to continue this facade um, that has systemically been ingrained in them, um, especially by media and the streets, uh, is a very sad thing to see because I think when you make it out and you did it, you don't owe anybody anything. And I don't owe nobody shit. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's real. Yeah. Did you ever catch yourself in a moment? Like you said, I could crack and you were like kind of, did you feel like you were almost trying to defend yourself or prove yourself to? Yeah, a lot. You know, like when first time I did the breakfast club and Charlemagne's who raped your sister, motherfucker, da, 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 like all that. I'm just like, God, I'm like everything for me is, it was like an attack. Like yeah. every interview I did everywhere I went, um, and 
that was just a really difficult thing. But I wasn't the only one. And, yeah. and that wasn't even, uh, like, definitely people would take shots based on color or image or this or that. And that's fine. That's entertainment. I, you know, I, I get that. But I'm saying it wasn't just, like, just white rapper. It's like, that's how they treat everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think it, there's a big difference from me being such a fan, you know, like, coming up and watching Breakfast Club or watching... Um, even Fontano, right? Or being in rap genius threads or this, and you're like a fan and then you blow up and you make it. And then it's kind of certain shots and praise are, are headed your way. So it's like, they'll praise you for something, but then they'll go in on, they'll shit on you for something. And it's just like, ah, because you were just a kid in the basement watching these people. And now it's their job to make headlines with your name whether it's a positive or a negative, and that's just a it's just a difficult thing to uh, experience and go through for the first time. With that being said, how would you, I guess, give advice to artists who are dealing with that? Because it seems like it seems like you have, and obviously we've been around long enough to where we've seen the highs and the low, and how shit really affects you, but also how you've been able to you know overcome it. But for you know. I would call it this generation of whether pop singers, rappers, whatever the fuck um, that are dealing with it and probably don't and, and, and don't know how to handle it. What's really weird is like I'm 32 and a big thing that I think about is how I wouldn't know how to navigate in today's world, honestly. How come? Well, because I came up on the Internet when it was a cool place. Like it was like nice. You know what I mean? Like. Like it's it's crazy. Me and my homies have like discussed how if they're like people who review music, they use terms like mid and ass and garbage, and it's just like, is that how we talk now? Like I'm just being for real. It's like, it's like think think about this. Somebody who's like, yeah, this new Kendrick album is mid as fuck. Okay, imagine that same twenty something year old kid at dinner with his mom. Yeah, mom, bitch, this fucking these spaghetti fucking mid you cunt like is that how we're talking you ain't talking to your mama that way Uh, yeah but that's a real thing it's like it's like you you wouldn't talk to your mother that way but she kind of is a dumb cunt to raise you to talk to other people that way so she fucked up you know what i'm saying like so it, it, it i came from a place where the internet was i don't like this or i love this and a bit of description and detail behind that now it's just none of that. Yeah. It's just it's just like this war amongst people and their opinions. And I think that really also has to do with social media shining a light on uh, the individual to allow them a platform to then blow up. So you got a bunch of kids uh, and grown ass adults like doing dances and shit and like doing all this shit. And it's just I, I get it. It's cool. But I'm like, what are you really doing? You know, and I think there are people who take that platform and make something amazing of it. People who really dedicate their lives to dance dedicate their lives to poetry, dedicate their lives to, to entertainment. And I've discovered my fucking assistant I found on TikTok. Right. And so, you know, I listened shout to out Stacey. shout out Stacy. Shout out Stacy one Stacey. time. <laughs> Let's get some claps for Stacy, please. Um, <laughs> the, the abrupt stop of the claps is, <laughs> gets me every time, but like social media, the internet's absolutely amazing. But what I'm saying is, and, and it's also difficult to navigate is when I was younger, it was a different place so any hardships or like the, the same things that I was going through on my come up aren't the same things yeah. that people have to deal with now. So I don't, I, I couldn't even say how to traverse it. I could tell you from a 
by no means surface level standpoint, but I could say, yeah, hard work, persistence, determination, realism, and wanting success more than your next breath. And you can fucking attain it all. Like you really can do it. And that's easier said than done. And it's easier wrapped up in a 10 second synopsis of get out there and, you know, fuck the world's pussy and get shit done. But it's like, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. You know, you had a, you had a question. We were sitting under a tree in Oregon yep. and you were like, do you think it was harder to pop and stay relevant when I was coming up or it's harder to pop and stay relevant now? Mm-hmm. And I think it was harder to pop when I came up because if you popped, odds are you were staying relevant. Yeah, you had the one hit wonders and people like that or whatever who had a song. But now everybody's popping. Who the fuck is that at my door? <laughs> Hold on one second. That's kind of funny. Stacy's face was like, what the fuck? Um, in my day, it was easier to pop and stay relevant because I think if you popped for the majority of people, you had talent. Myself, Mac Miller, Kendrick Lamar, Wiz Khalifa, you know, so many, so many incredible artists that are still relevant today. J. Cole, Drake. Um, now, you know, like, I don't know, a, a, a college student, somebody who works at a gas station, somebody that is popping, whether it's in music or not. And they could have a, a viral video that has hundreds of millions of, uh, of views. And that's great for that moment. And it may bring on opportunities. And that's really cool. But like to continue to, to stay, yeah, you know, is uh, I think very hard in today and not because of them, but because it's it's almost like the Roman Colosseum. It's like next, like bring out the lions. Like that's it. Like you know, it's like. Do you think? Do you think uh, shit is given to to like the new musicians or the new artists so fast that kind of like they don't have to worry about the grind? <laughs> yeah, some of them, but there's some who really grind, like Jack Harlow. Yeah, you know, I was on Jack Harlow before fucking all these fools. Like I love Jack Harlow. I think he's really cool and. He's a good person. And, you know, like I met Jack and he's like, dude, I fucking listen to your music like in high school and this and that. I'm like, damn, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm like, like he's a good kid and I see him winning and it makes me like so happy. But he's one of those people who's literally been making shit since he was like, you know, look hella nerdy with glasses and shit walking down the hallway. We've all seen those raps. Oh, yeah. And they're tight. He's rapping with like a Spider-Man poster in his room and shit. I'm like, I like this kid. You know what I mean? And I feel like the reason Jack fucks with me is because I was also so myself. Uh, you know, I didn't fit in. I like nerd shit. I like this. I like that. But we all still, we still got swag type shit. So he's a prime example of somebody who's been grinding, like been grinding. Um, and I think when he was hit, I mean, I remember Jack, Jack Harlow played me What's Poppin' literally a week before it came out and he had just shot the, uh, the video and played me the video. I was like, buckle up kid. He's like, what? I was like, bro. I was like, literally you're about to blow up. And he was like, Oh no. He's like trying to be humble about it. And he was excited and shit. And I was like, nah, we were in my studio in Calabasas. And, um, yeah, he, he blew up and he followed through though. That's what's dope. Jack followed through, man. And it, it wasn't um, like a one hit wonder. Not at all, man. You know, and he's a, he's a good dude. And I fuck with him and I don't want nothing from him, but you know, his friendship and his happiness. I forgot that night. Actually, he, uh, I guess he called his like high school best friend, one of his best friends from back home. 
And I was like probably drunk and on the phone. And I was like, yeah, man, next time I go on tour, you can have tickets anywhere the fuck you want. Three years later, Jack hits me up. He's like, hey, man, uh, you remember you told my my best friend that that you could have, uh, you know, t- he could have some tickets? I was like, yeah, yeah. What, how many does he need? You know, where is he at? Blah, blah, blah. And a yeah, funny thing I think about a situation like that, because he was like, he was really humble. He was just like, yo, like, can I do this? Like, let me know. I got you. Like, if you need anything, like, he really was appreciative. And I was like, no, nah, I don't need shit. Like, I just need your friendship. I need you to be happy and and pay it forward. And I appreciate it. And that's where I could have been like, oh, word? Verse right now. Or this or that or da da da. But we had already, he had already sent me some joints in the past. But I just, I was busy. I was doing shit. I mean, not for him, like, in general. Like, for us to collab. But I had a lot going on in the fucking middle of having a baby and, like, all this other stuff. So, um, yeah. It'd be fun to work with him in the future. Yeah, but I'd be, I, I, I mean that'd be a dope collab. Yeah, but I'd want like if we did it, it's got to be like some rap shit. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what I'm on. Like, what? Like, it's like if I ever did. Because I remember me and Drake were trying to figure out a way to like hang out a couple years ago, and our managers were talking to, to to each other and to get us together. And even then, in my head, I was like, if I do a song with Drake, I don't want it to be some Drake shit. Like, meaning like I don't want to just be like, oh yeah, sing on my shit, Playboy. Like I'm like I'm trying to get this motherfucker rap on a breakbeat or some shit. You know, That'd be crazy. My thing is, is especially now in music and where I'm at, and, and people will really be able to tell with vinyl days and what's coming after. Like I'm not out here trying to be. After one eight hundred, I saw an amazing opportunity to follow through, like that boy Jack did, and I did it. I followed through. We had one eight hundred. We had every day. Keanu Reeves, Homicide, Midnight, all of BT too. Like I did it, and then after I did that, I was like, man, I'm just trying to get back to rap, and I did that, and and now I'm here. So when I'm working with different artists, like I just want the music to be as good as it possibly can be. Like I'm not really out here trying to pander to mainstream, which I did. I, I did that, and I think anybody who would find themselves in a position to be able to make fun simple club music or this or that and make you know 30 million dollars in a year would be stupid to not do that you know and i did it and i was hyped and i'm i'm here in fucking malibu oh i love it i love it i love it um also too i wanted to get back into still we're still in a retirement slash covid i like this guy because he knows i'm gonna ramble but you're bringing it back (laughs) i gotta bring it back he's remembering okay (laughs) you also got into Acting. Yeah. With, with your boy, Joseph Gordon-Lovett. That's true. And, I mean, I was there on, on, on set, and you did your thing. I remember you had that, that amazing scene, and, you know, there was a standing ovation for you, which was dope. On set. It was a vibe. Obviously, I know what's going on, but I ask as if, I'm a, if I, I was a consumer or somebody watching or listening, what's, what's next in the, music, in the movie world for you? I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's something that me and Mike talk about a lot. Like, uh, it's... It's like a fickle thing. I got scripts I've written, you know, there's opportunities that come, some I don't want to do, some I'm really interested in, but film is such a game of development. Like, it takes time, bro. You know, there was a movie I was going to fund myself for, you know, like three, four million dollars, and then and then I'm like, I don't, do I really want to do, I'm all excited about it, and I'm like, we're doing it, and then it's like, even when you have all the money, like, just because you have the money to fund it a movie doesn't mean it's going to be simple and easy. You know, it's like it literally takes a village. And I think that's something that was a little difficult for me in things outside of music because I am patient and I have the patience, but knowing like, oh, like it, it isn't a one man show. Like 
I can go upstairs, make a beat, record myself, do a whole album alone. You can't make a movie alone. I mean, unless it's like Blair Witch and that shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if, and this is, a, this is a, a question that has to do with movies, but also your memoir. Yeah. If, some, if somebody decided to make your memoir a movie, who would, who would play you? Who's the sexiest motherfucker I can think of? <laughs> Jordan, my security guard. <laughs> Shout out, Jordan! <laughs> I don't know, probably like Anthony Anderson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know, I don't know. Um, and then it's like, is he mixed? It's like, do we stay true to form and like he's actually mixed but looks white like Wentworth Miller from Prison Break? You know what I'm saying? For real. Like, it's like, do we do that? <laughs> I don't know. Is 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 is, is sus ass uh, entertainment gonna be upset if a white dude plays a half black guy? <laughs> I, don't know. Like, I don't know. Who fucking knows? I don't know. I wanted to go back to uh, what you said about the memoir and how you said it was therapeutic for you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to your retirement, do you think that was helpful and therapeutic for your creativity? Is it taking that break? Yeah. I also got lucky. Um, you know, COVID isn't some like a funny thing by any means, but like I don't know how serendipitous it could have been that when I decided to step away from music, everyone had to step away from music. Mm-hmm. So I was mentally prepared to do it. You know, it's a very unfortunate thing. You know, people who had planned whole tours, you know, artists, uh, their first shot, their first opportunity who, you know, weren't even in the mainstream and maybe ha- had a massive fan base and then spent Fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to fund a, a tour, jumping in a van, and they lost all their money because they, mm-hmm. they couldn't even go on tour. Like that's really sad, you know. Um, and I think cr- creatively, for me, stepping away and being mentally prepared to do so, definitely, uh, it was awesome and it was freeing because even like any rhymes or things that I was working on or making, to this day, it's just different now, man. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I think fans can feel it. I think people can feel it. Um, you know, if I always made the under pressures and the, the incredible true stories, like I would not be here today. I wouldn't be as big as I am today if I just did those things over and over and pandered to a specific audience. You know, I had fun, man. I really did. I had fun doing different shit and making mainstream music and pop music. I did. And I could wake up tomorrow and be like, Hey, we doing it again. You know, it it could be whatever I want, but I really believe that the music that I'm will make even if it is like more poppy or this or that it's gonna it's gonna be different it's like i'm gonna rap like i like rapping and um i made my money man like that's the real thing it's like i made my money so now it's like fuck y'all i'm gonna do whatever i want and what i want to do is rap and make beats on my npc and and help other artists other musicians you know um that's you know what's crazy is like the Kanye zap, you know, Kanye be zapping the fuck out of people and just like taking their whole shit. And, but it's tight. I'm trying to do that. And I've been doing that, but really putting them on. And that's not me shitting on Ye. I'm saying it's like, it's apparent, you know what I mean? Ye has writers and different people and all this other shit. And that's great. I think that's fire. I want to take whoever wrote this hook or, um, you know, uh, if I was inspired by this flow or this, this or that, like really put them on and 